Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. It's funny when kids do dumb things, right? I mean, but it's not quite as funny when adults do dumb things. (laughs) When adults do dumb things, that's just dumb. So that's my today's message is not necessarily about moms, although we do honor the moms. For you moms that have come in here feeling you're doing a really good job, we honor that. For you moms that come in here feeling like maybe you aren't doing too good of a job or you haven't done a good job, we honor you too. And for those of you that want to be moms, um, we honor wherever you're at today. Mother's Day is both a really beautiful and a sad day. So um, we honor all of that. But today's message isn't actually about moms. It's a message about children and growing up. Um, because children in the faith need to grow up, right? Growing up is essential to living a full life like Jesus did. Uh, Most of of life's problems come from people who are spiritually immature. Think about it. When we're not mature, we make dumb choices. Um, We build our lives around those dumb choices. Many times those choices were made on a whim by a feeling. Feelings can be misleading. No one should make a big decision on a mood, right? Are you with me? So a great example of this is our national debt. That's a great example of bad decisions, right? Another great example is America's problem with obesity. Another great example of people not making good decisions um, and being spiritually immature. Mature people, on the other hand, make decisions based on truth, not feelings. The Bible tells us that growth is God's will for our life, Um, A child that makes dumb decisions is normal, but an adult that makes dumb decisions actually can be really tragic, um, and it can actually cause a lot of bad consequences in people's lives. And that's where most modern Christians find themselves. They got saved, but then they stayed there, right? They're still spiritual children. I'd like to read the same verse that Natalie read, but this is in the message version. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16 No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Ah, so good. Drew often uses the line, don't grow old at church, grow up at church. Say grow up. Let's wake up a little bit. Um, Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up. (laughs) That may actually be a little personal depending on who you sat next to (laughs) and the conversation you were having in the car on the way over. Um, Drew asked me on our first date in 1996 when we were in college, I was 20, my parents had just separated. I was devastated. I was not just devastated, I was angry. I would say I was rageful. Um, Drew came into my life and he became this constant hum of laughter, of love, of happiness. Um, He wasn't judgmental about what I was going through, and he never made me feel bad about the bad moods that I was in. He was very curious about life, always looking at things, talking to people. He brought this new energy to my life. 
Um, he oftentimes would leave notes on my car windshield after a waitressing shift, um, and they always made me laugh. He bought me flowers that matched my acrylic nails. Anybody, acrylic nails, square tip, French, square French tip in the 90s, yeah? Um, and he bought me flowers that said, these flowers match your nails, which I thought was really sweet, and I've never forgotten that. Um, he bought me a CD to the movie soundtrack, Selena. Anybody see that movie, Selena? Such a good movie. You have to see it. Um, but he claimed that that was the movie that he kind of got the nerve to ask me out at. Uh, but I would say that he started asking me out pretty much when we first started uh, like getting together. We had a group of friends, and all of a sudden, Drew was everywhere, just everywhere I was. And I'm like, where did this guy come from? Like, he was nowhere in my life, and then he was everywhere. Um, he, and when he was around, he was by me. He, he like made it a point to be by me. He talked to me, he made me laugh about something ridiculous he did, telling me how pretty I looked, he liked my outfit, he showed up at my tennis matches, or at the restaurant just because he said, I just want to be by you. It's Mother's Day, but I'm giving Drew a pretty good endorsement here, right? He didn't know I was going to say all this. Um, when we had known each other a little longer and had been dating for a while, he would tell me he'd never met anyone like me. He looked into my eyes and he told me I was like the most amazing person that he'd ever met. Um, he loved the things about me that I liked about myself, but didn't know if anybody else saw those things. Um, and when I was having a particularly bad day, he wouldn't hold it against me, nor would he hold it against me when I really just outright treated him really horrible because I was so angry at my dad. Um, he pursued me in a moment in my life that I was dangling from a spiritual thread. Um, and he loved me unconditionally. And to this day, to this day, I have never not once doubted Drew's love for me um, or, or been afraid that he was going to leave. And honestly, that's a miracle from where I came from. I could very easily have never accepted anybody's love for me. Um, so, brings me to point one. You're welcome, Drew. We need love to grow. Like a mother loves her children, nurtures them into adulthood, we need to be in love relationships in order to grow and mature spiritually. We have to believe and feel that we are in safe, loving relationships. We have to be in both human relationships and God-loving relationships, a God-love relationship. John 14, says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. But the church gets this verse so wrong. We then say, if you love God, you're going to obey him. So we force behaviors on people as opposed to helping them fall more in love with Jesus and grow spiritually. Thank you, Ali. We should be cultivating a love relationship with our children, helping them cultivate a love relationship with God. And that's the point of this whole verse. Everything starts with L-O-V-E, right? But many of us are just still baby Christians. We're just babies. We're hoping. We look up and we're like, feed us, feed us. We're starving, right? <laughs> Because we haven't experienced the full measure of God's love, we don't know how to make that happen, which, 
by the way, we don't make that happen. He makes it happen. We memorize basic scriptures. We say our prayers for dinner, but we're just still stuck in this baby, baby Christianity. It's not the type of life that Christ bought for us. Jesus went to the cross for love. I will prove it to you. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Lavished on us. That we should be called children of God and that is what we are. It's a well-known neurological fact that our brains are designed to change and grow through love. Finding joy in love is one of the first steps in healing any traumatic moments in our life. So let me ask you this. Do you believe that Jesus is loving and safe? Because it's only until this truth settles into your heart, not just your mind, but into your bones, it'll be hard for you to grow. And if this is where you find yourself, which I'm guessing it's several of you, not sure if God loves you, start there. Start your journey there. Start asking God to reveal his love for you and his love for you in the past and his love for you in the future. Point two, growing up requires learning. My youngest daughter just went to kindergarten. I cried for about two weeks as I sent her off to kindergarten. She was my little surprise baby at 40. Um, she comes home every day telling me stuff that she's learned. She's learning her basics, reading, um, math basics. Uh, this week, they had caterpillars that then turned into butterflies, and they flew off. She's like, Mom, we think a bird might have ate one of the butterflies, but we're not sure. I don't think he did. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's traumatizing. Um, so the caterpillars turned into butterflies, and, and she's learning, and she's growing in this learning experience. As children grow up, they learn the basics and then more complicated things. If we're going to grow in our faith, we have to know what we believe. Hello. We have to know what we believe. Hello. Start with the basics and then expand, right? Most Christians only know 30% of the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so we can live an eternal life, right? That's, that's kind of like the basic, the, the basics of what we believe. And, and really, some of us have gotten so familiar with it that it doesn't even compel us anymore. We're just kind of numb to it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's awesome, it's great, but it's not compelling us into growing spiritually, right? Because the gospel is so much more than just Jesus died on the cross for our sins so we can have eternal life, which is a lot, but it's so much more than that. The gospel I would like to argue for today is three parts. Do your research, don't take my word for it. This is what I'm coming, this is my thesis to you I'm bringing today, okay? Um, knowing the full gospel will help us fall in love with God more and help us grow. So the first part of the gospel, Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus was the final lamb in centuries of lambs that were sacrificed. The final one. We did not need to sacrifice any more lambs. Jesus was the only one sufficient to pay the price for our sins. That in and of itself, we could be done. Let's go have some brunch, right? His blood poured out, removed the death penalty, and replaced dread with peace forever. That's pretty great news. It's pretty great news. It's not the only great news. The second part of the gospel is... Pentecost, the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
It's what we've been talking about for like three weeks and we will continue to talk about it. It's so important. John 14, 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So on Pentecost, he comes to the disciples and what does he do? He comes to them as the high priest. He makes intercession for them. He, he receives the Holy Spirit from the Father and then he baptizes 120 in the upper room with the Holy Spirit. Second part of the gospel. We kind of forget about that part, right? It's part of it, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The cleansing work of the cross was prep work for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me this morning? It was prep work, good work, but it was prep work. If you're living without the Holy Spirit, you are not living a full gospel life. He sent the Holy Spirit to bring humanity one step closer to God's ultimate desire to be one with us. Jesus's work was to make us a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit so God could come even closer and live in us. The second part of the gospel, the promise of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Check out Hebrews 9 if you want more on this. Please do. It's getting better. The third part of the gospel is Jesus as returning king, the promise of his return. Most people don't associate the return of Jesus as part of the gospel. In fact, most people are like, I don't want it. I don't want to talk about it. End of the world. That's weird, right? Like I didn't give a lot of space to the returning king in my gospel theology. It felt a little scary to me. Anybody relate to that? Oh, maybe the only one. But Paul would frequently reference the return of Christ as this strengthening, emboldening, and purifying motive for the church, our hope in the return of Christ. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. Believers were meant to have this living hope in his return. It's like we're, we, we were meant to have a Christmas gift type of anticipation, a Disneyland type of, a first date type of anticipation, right? That's how we're supposed to view it. Jesus is coming. I can't wait. He's going to make it all good. But the reason most of us don't is because we don't think that day is going to be good for us. We're like, oh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm just kind of hanging on by a thread here. We're growing today. We're growing today because we have to our view has to go from spiritual babies to mature Christian adults. And we have to say, no, I was bought with a price. God sees me as righteous through his son and the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Jesus' return, I'm going to be a bride for him. Pure, spotless possession for Jesus. And he's going to make everything right. That is going from kindergarten to Ph.D., Right there. That's all you really need. There's probably a little bit more than that, huh? A little bit more than that. But if you don't see Jesus' return as good, you are seeing it through a spiritually immature lens, and it's time to grow up. Say grow up. Our salvation is past, it's present, and it's future. It is that is the full gospel. It's what we should be carrying around in our hearts every day, every second, when we meet people in the community, when we talk to people who are suffering. It is the full gospel. We get to cultivate this hope around Jesus' return. I want to take it a little bit further. I want to take it a little bit further today. Are you ready for this? 
to really experience the full gospel is not only to believe in what Jesus did. We just talked about it, right? What did we say? First thing was Jesus dying on the cross. Second thing was Pentecost. Pentecost. Hey, third thing is, okay, we not only need to believe in what Jesus did, we need to believe in why he did it, why he did it. Everything Jesus did was to make it possible for God to be one with us. And that spiritual union was meant to make us fruitful branches, bringing glory to the Father. Full stop. God wasn't satisfied to live in a box, in a temple anymore. He wanted more. He wanted to be closer to us. The God of the universe wanted to be closer to me and you. And his presence and sin can't coexist. So he sent Jesus to be the final sacrifice on the cross, to ascend to heaven, sit on the atonement seat that will never perish, erasing all of our sins, past, present, and future. Past, present, and future. The work is complete. So God could then spend his, send his spirit to live inside of us, no longer in a box, in a temple, because he couldn't be separated from us one moment longer. That is why he did it. He wanted to be so close. He wanted to indwell in us. Is somebody getting this today? It's huge. It will, getting it will help you experience God as loving you'll enter into a love relationship with him, and by default, you will mature. God wants to be in our presence, with us, simply being every moment of the day. He is not up there making a list of everything you're doing wrong. He's not up there shaming you. He's not up there telling you're doing a bad job as a mom or a dad or as a person or as a human being. That is not his role. His role is a loving, forgiving, merciful, graceful, steadfast, faithful Father, every minute, every day, who just wants to be with us, making us his living temples so he could bring his spirit as a companion, a counselor, and a comforter, literally everything we could ever need. Literally. That's what my kids say all the time. Literally. And we will need the comfort of the Holy Spirit because growing up, leads to growing pains. Can somebody say amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? Suffering is the worst. It's literally the worst. There's nothing more dreadful than pain and suffering. It's difficult to explain the emptiness and fear that's felt in these times. It's like free falling into darkness. It's like, oh, today's it. Today's the day I'm gonna lose my mind. That's, it's today, it's this week. You wonder if the sun's ever going to rise again because it's hard to imagine that it is when you are in the thick of it. So the question for believers is obviously, what the heck, God? Why all this pain and suffering? What are you doing? This is why I question your management skills. I would never have let this happen. So instead of approaching suffering with humility and, and surrender to the Lord, like teenage Mary did, your will be done, Lord, right? We run away. We blame, as if that path is any easier. Believe me, I've tried it. It's not. Lead to, led to a lot of bad decisions. Some of them I'm still paying the consequences for. 
because I was an adult making bad decisions. Dumb. Suffering is inevitable. We can't choose our suffering. We can't choose our bad. It's a cross that we bear, a task divinely allowed in our lives. Suffering is crucial to spiritual growth because it's in that pit of pain that God develops steadfastness, and steadfastness brings us joy. Steadfastness brings us hope. It develops our character. And it's in those times when the Lord is not an enemy. He is a friend. He's our greatest ally. But he won't force himself on us because he's a gentleman, right? So there's nothing that we can avoid. There's nothing we can do, uh, do to avoid some of this pain. And many times there's no going back. I know some of you are in moments where there is absolutely a before and after this moment. Your life will never be the same. There's no going back. If the pandemic taught us anything, it's that the world won't be the same. And we have to adapt. Plain and simple. James 1, 2 through 4 reads, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And that's a pretty great purpose for suffering. What James is saying is that when trials come, because they will, hello, when they come, Count it all joy, because God's up to something, right? He's up to something really good, even if you can't see it on the surface. What is he up to? Probably a lot of things, but one of those things is growing us spiritually so we grow strong and steady in him, so we're not like blown like this when bad things happen to us, when pain and suffering comes, that we can be anchored concretely in the hope of the gospel, He's making us more like Christ. Even when the world's falling apart, we can be rooted in him, right? He's making us more like Christ. It's for our joy. It's for the good of others. When we go through pain and suffering, we have compassion, more compassion than we've ever had before, which helps others. Hello. And it's for his ultimate glory. So we can either whine, complain, and blame, or we can just lean into the suffering and allow God to mature us and give us the great treasure that's found in hard times. Band, you guys can come up. Prayer team, come up in just a minute, yeah? I've been a Christian since I was six, but there was huge chunks of my life that I felt like something was missing. Huge chunks, I argue. Almost all of my Christian life, I felt like something was missing. There was a missing link that I didn't get the Christian life like others got it. I thought they were more confident, like they had it, like they were all the things. Um, and it left me oftentimes just feeling sad. Like, does this really work? Is this really true? I felt bad. Michael, I'm in a really serious moment. <laughs> I felt shameful, like I wasn't good enough. I didn't get it, I wasn't smart enough. I wanted that missing link. I wanted greater intimacy with God. Then two things happened. My brother-in-law got cancer, and my son got a rare infection in his ear that was traveling to his brain. When my brother-in-law got cancer, um, I did not know how to pray for him. It was grueling, two years, just grueling. Um, I was so desperate for my sister not to become a widow and for her boys not to lose their dad. And it was in this season when I didn't know how to pray that I received the gift of a prayer language. Um, you, you could call it tongues, gift of tongues. Um, at 45, I had spent my whole life being terrified of the Holy Spirit 
and what the Holy Spirit would do in me. I didn't want to look weird. I didn't want it to be weird and awkward like some of those people, you know, like, oh. No offense if you're one of those people. I'm welcome to how the Holy Spirit wants to express himself in me now. But then I was terrified of the Holy Spirit. God gave me this prayer language because I had no other words, and it was such a relief. I didn't have to struggle over words anymore. I didn't have to struggle over like making meaning of something and trying to like fill in the space between me and God and Timmy and is it me that works? Is it you that works? Is it my faith? Is it your love? Oh, I don't know. So I just started speaking privately in this prayer language, and there's not one day that's gone by that I haven't used it now. It's edifying. It's fortifying to my soul. It's a gift, and I got it through one of the hardest moments in our family's life. The other event that hit a little bit closer was when we were told that my son may never recover his hearing. He still doesn't have it in his left ear. Um, But not only that, the infection was trying to eat into his brain. It was life-threatening. So as you can imagine, Drew and I were filled with worry, our only son. Just off the heels of losing our brother-in-law, it was like that grief and that loss was just boiling at the surface. It was just right there every day. Um, So my levels of stress and anxiety were really high, but this is where God called me to lean into him. And he put this longing in my heart for me to spend time with him, to read about him, to ask others about their journey with him. I didn't want like I wanted it to be genuine to me. I wanted to grow personally. I wanted something real with God. And that meant that I had to go on a journey and do some work and put some money and time into it. I didn't have an appetite for months. Um, This journey was all-encompassing, I would say. I started running on the beach. Those runs would turn turn into this time when I asked God just to be present after podcasts and books and talking and blah, blah, I just wanted God's presence. It was like, it was the only thing that could satisfy, the only thing that could soften what was going on. Life starts transforming in God's presence. There's great treasure in God's presence. The intimacy that I developed in that season of life, which was really, really really hard and dark. It has been life-changing. I'm a different person than I was last year. And it wasn't a burning bush moment. Gosh, I wish it was. It was months, which has now turned into years. Minute by minute, day by day of allowing God, partnering with God, stepping into the dance with God of allowing him, me, allowing him to grow me spiritually. Is this making sense? We have to allow him to, and he performs the work in our heart. And I want to say that again in case you missed it. It's his love that works in our heart to grow it. If you have a longing to be close to him, if this is the first time you've been to church, it's because you have a longing to encounter God, and it wasn't you that put that there. It was him that put that in you, right? So you can be sure that he's going to fulfill it because he did it. He does the work. He does all the work. It's the greatest news, guys. The gospel is the greatest news. Some of you are ready to get out of spiritual kindergarten. I'm going to end here. 
onto greater things with God. Others of you have been growing. Maybe you're like me, but you want more, right? I want more. I want more of God's presence. I want more of his gifts. Hello, I'd love to pray for somebody and they get healed. What? That'd be amazing. I'm asking for that. I want more of his thoughts toward me, not anybody else. I want more of his thoughts toward me. I want more intimacy with him because it is the only thing that will grow us spiritually. And I want to be a mature, I want to be a mature person. Yay, 47. It's taught me anything. Yeah, I want to be mature. So if either of those things are you, I'm going to have you guys stand up because we're going to stand up anyways. Michael would make you stand up. So I'm going to make you guys stand up. I'm not going to make you come up front. Don't worry. Nothing weird on Mother's Day. I want to have a waffle. Let's move this along, Trish. Okay. If either of those things are you, you feel like you want to move out of spiritual kindergarten or you want more, I'm simply just going to have you close your eyes and hold out your hands. Just respond to God today. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to receive more, and I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we choose a life with Jesus with all its ups and downs, all its pain and suffering, all its mystery. We choose that. Grow us. Give us more. Our hearts are open. Show us how much you love us. Give us a great measure of your love. Come, Holy Spirit. Do your work of counseling us, comforting us, revive us to your gospel, what you did on the cross, what you did at Pentecost, and what you're going to do as a returning victorious king. On that day, it's going to be good for us. We love you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha. Aloha.